Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. I gotta be really honest, I don't feel like much like being up here today. And I got three text messages this morning from three different brothers, pastors. One of them told me that, that I should follow the voice of my shepherd. God was going to do something unique. And what he didn't know was that for about the last 18 hours, I've been kind of camping out at Psalm 23, <laughs> reminding myself that the Lord was my shepherd. Even when I walk through dark places, he's with me. I even texted him back and I said, you better be ready to preach. I don't know. And then I got the same text from two other pastors who don't go to this church. And it said, so be ready. So I am ready to preach. Quote from the Apostle Paul. And so whatever's about to take place here, I don't take any credit for it. Because I don't know where we're going. Psalm 27 Verse 1 reads like this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? There are days you're reminded that you don't have it. And you can't fix it. And there's nothing you can do to stop certain things from happening. And those are moments where you want to be afraid. There are moments where you want to throw your hands in the air and you want to quit. There are moments where you're just like, what is this? And David declares, listen, why am I afraid? The Lord is my fortress. He is protecting me from danger. It doesn't seem like it sometimes. Sometimes it seems like everything is busting loose. But I promise you this, the Lord is a fortress, and he is in the business of taking care of his kids. Verse 2 says, when, I, when evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and they will fall. Sometimes our enemy, the, I, I spent some time with somebody this week and we were just reminding ourselves that the Bible says that our enemy runs around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. That we should be vigilant, we should be watchful, we should be alert because he's seeking in a way to take us out. And most of the time, the way he does that is he, he brings circumstances into our lives that we could never have seen coming, could never have thought that they, that they, they would be here. We, would, we, we, we got that phone call. We received that text message. We walked into a doctor's office and something was told that something wasn't right that we didn't see coming. Well, we got some information from somebody and all of a sudden, everything we, it was like everything was on top of us. But what our enemy didn't realize is that was the day he was signing his own death warrant. See, because the same thing happened to Jesus. One day, 
Jesus was out doing the work of the ministry. He was, he was doing the work of God. And one of his best buddies betrayed him. And the rest of his buddies didn't see that coming. Wasn't aware that was about to take place. Jesus tried to warn them and protect them and tell them all this stuff that it was, it was coming this way. And, and somehow, some way, they, they didn't know it was coming. And what Satan meant for evil, God absolutely intends to mean for good. So whatever is going on around you right now, if, if you've just come through a season like that, can I tell you, can I tell you this? It ain't all about just you getting through the season. It's about you being ready to glorify the name of Jesus and give away what God gave to you in the middle of that season. You can clap for that. It's okay. Hey, listen. We are an interactive church, okay? So if it gets a little bit loud, I'm not going to apologize. And if you're, used, if you're used to quiet church and everybody knows what's happening next, sometimes that doesn't happen around here. And I'm not going to apologize about it. We just are who we are. Either you like us or you don't. We'll just get on down the road, okay? I, don't, you know, I want you to hang around as long as possible, but I'm not trying to make you happy. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid, verse 3 says. Even if I am attacked, King David writes, I will remain confident. See, sometimes these things happen because God wants to, to, to see what's lying on the inside. There are pieces of scripture that befuddle me. I'll be really honest because I'm one of those things. I believe one of the attributes of God is this. He knows everything. That's what makes him God. But there's a story in the scripture. He, he poses a comment after the story takes place. I just don't, I don't get it. And I'll just be really honest. I don't get it. He asked something really crazy of a guy named Abraham. Like, give me, give Give me your son. And Abraham walks up that hill. And he's determined to let God be God and not understand what really is going on. And when, when Abraham follows all the way to the end of that, giving God his son on an altar, God's like, okay, I got it. And then God says something. Now I know that I have your heart, basically is what he says. That trips me out. If that's a true statement of Abraham, quite possibly what you're walking through right now or what you've just come through is for God to test where your heart is. Are you going to serve me anyway? There's this guy named Job. And his problem wasn't that he wasn't serving God and got himself in a bunch of trouble. His problem was he served God too well. And it made him a target. And things come after him. And guess what happens? He makes this statement. Though he slay me, yet I will still trust him. I don't know what everything's going on. You know, I, I, I'm just taking from my heart today. And I, I'd like to say more. I'm just disabled from saying. But guess what? I know this. I know that God is good. 
I know that his mercy is absolutely new every morning. And I know that sometimes life pulls the rug out from underneath of us and we wonder what's going on and why it happened. And God's still saying this, I'm still God. I'm still your father. I still love you and I've got this. And I know it seems crazy to you right now, but just trust me, I'm in this. And he's asking us to remain confident. Not in ourselves, not in our abilities, not in in, in our strength, but honestly to remain confident in our weakness that he is strong. David writes in, in, in Psalm 27 verse 4 this, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. See, sometimes this comes because the Bible says in Hebrews that everything that can shake will shake. Everything else I'm serving, everything else I'm chasing after, everything else I think is going to make my life good and great and grand and all that sort of stuff, God will grab a hold of it and he will shake it till everything temporal falls off of it. Are you with me? Because he, he wants to be the focus of our lives. I, I, I was talking to somebody this week and going through some relational discombobulation. Actually, I, I spoke to several people going through relational discombobulation this week. And they, they were talking about what they were learning. And one of them said, I have learned that people can't make me happy. <laughs> Let me tell you something to you. David writes this because a lot of people had let him down and betrayed him. This one thing I ask of the Lord, this one thing I seek. He had found out that God was the only thing capable of carrying the weight of his joy and his peace and his love and his adoration. He, he was it. Nothing else could stand up under the weight of that pressure that David could put on him to be his all in all. Only God could do that. He said, delight in the Lord's prayer. I meditate in his temple. And so he's turning all of his thoughts, all of his heart, all of his attention towards, towards the Lord. Now listen to this next line. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. There's a story in the scripture in Mark chapter 4, where his, this, he told his disciples, listen, bros, we're, and he talks to me that way. I know it made me not. He would say bro to me, and he would say dude, and couple other things, because that's, I understand that. You know? I kind of, I'm getting sidetracked. I kind of envisioned a couple of those, a couple of those disciples were kind of like surfer dudes. They hung out by the seashore all the time. You know what I'm saying? And so he probably used the word bro. Hey, bro. He said, bro, we're going to the other side. We have some place to go. We're getting somewhere. And when they, when they jump in the boat and start transgressing the, the, the Sea of Galilee, trying to get across there, suddenly, even after he told them, hey, we're going someplace, a storm brews up, and they start to weird out. And what they did not realize in the middle of that was the sanctuary from the trouble was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. They weird out. They're getting someplace because God said they were getting someplace and they weird out. 
And he walks up one day. They, they, I kind of see him vision like they, they, they push Peter out there. You know what? They push Peter out there because Peter's the guy always sticking his foot in his mouth. Peter's used to having Jesus reprimand him. Send him down there. Peter walks in there and goes, hey, Jesus, there's kind of a, hey. Don't know if you're aware. Don't know if you download the Weather Channel app to your phone, Jesus, but we're in something. Jesus is like, what? And he's he gets up, he goes up, and he's, he, 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 he calms the storm. The storm was insignificant. You know why the storm was insignificant? Because, because the refuge, the strong tower, the fortress from the storm was in the boat. They did not have to worry. They did not have to be concerned. They did not have to, 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 to figure out how it was all going to go down, how it was going to be fixed, because he was with them, and he already said, Dudes, we are going to the other side. I am not done yet. You are not going down with the ship. In fact, the ship's not going down. I already said we're getting somewhere. And he, he, he's taking them. To, to a place. And, and when they get there, there's ministry. But he's, he will place me out of reach on a high rock, as the next line David says. See, he, he doesn't want you down in the dump someplace because life isn't working out the way you want it to. He wants you with your gaze upward in a place where no matter what else happens, the, the, the only focus is between you and him. There, there's nothing. The Bible tells us this, that though those who wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will get above the storm. There is a high place in God for you to live and to, and to fly and to get where you're going and sometimes the storm you know I, I, I was at a, I was at a church recently another church I don't know over the summer I don't remember when it was and, and one of the pastors who texted me this morning honestly I just he, he, he told this analogy that, a, that, a, that, it, that, that when a eagle will is the only bird the only but he preached about Isaiah 40 but I just I just quoted right the only bird that will fly towards a storm And when they do, they have the ability to go upward using the wind that's generated by the storm to fly higher than any other bird. And God knows that because he created the eagle, right? And so he puts in his word these ideas. They that wait upon me will mount up with wings like eagles. See, he knew the storm was coming. And he wasn't content for you to stay down at the low altitudes. He was going to use the storm to take you to another place, to another level. And you're trying to shield yourself and run away from the storm and run away from the clouds, run away from the stuff, instead of facing those things, which would be the things that would take you to the next place. There is a high place in God that he intends for you. And this is just, I'm telling you right now, I didn't plan this. I don't have any idea where this is going. I don't have bullet points. I don't have notes. I don't have nothing. I just know what's inside of me right now. And I just want you to know that God's got this and he's got you. Scriptures tell us that in our weakness, he is shown to be strong. So if you don't feel like you got it for the storm, trust him. He's got it and keep flying. And listen to these words. Then I will hold my head high, verse 6 says, above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, 
in the place where he dwells, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. See, some of you think, some of us get in here and we clap and we shout and we hoot and holler because everything's good. But you don't know the stories of all the hooting and the hollering and the shouting that's in here. Some of us are hooting and hollering not because things are good, quite the opposite, because the storm is raging and we found the sanctuary and we know the person who lives inside of it and we just think he's awesome and we're just going to choose to praise him anyway in the middle of it, right? You don't know all the story. I, sitting around, I can look around this room right now and I see the Bible says we are his workmanship. And the way he shows himself strong is because when life's not good, he still is. Am I right, Josh? Huh? When, 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 when things aren't going like we want them to, he still is who he said he would be. That's right, Al. Yes, sir. That huh? he is the king and he is the savior and he is the Lord. And sometimes... Our shouting and our praising and our clapping and our crying and our giving and all of it is not because things are good. It's because he is good and we want him to know we know that. That that, that, that he is worthy when things are good and he's even more worthy to me when things are bad. Because I can't count on anybody else sometimes. And I I, want to offer him what is due to him. And he tells us that what's due him is sacrifices of praise. Singing and praising the Lord with music. David comes to the Lord with thanksgiving. He enters God's courts with praise. And when he comes to that point, he can then offer a petition. Listen to verse 7. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. David's not counting on how much he gave in the offering to be the reason that God pays attention. He counts on the mercy of God. He doesn't recite his spiritual resume. He doesn't talk about all the service he's offered. He says, God, have mercy on me as he prays. Knowing that right now, if God never does anything else for David the rest of his life, God has already been better to David than David deserves. He he can't count on the fact that I'm that good. If you read the story of David, you'll know he's not. That boy had problems. Be merciful to me and answer me. See, this morning, if you're going through something, the option you have is this, to count on the mercy of God that's new every morning. Not to count on your indoctrination. Not to count on your, 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 your whatever schedule you're on here at the church or how many good things you do out there or whatever. How, many, you know, how kind you've been to somebody this week. Your, your, your petition has to rely on this, that God is merciful. And though you don't deserve it, sometimes he answers. Huh? He does. Well, I want to be Shadrach. Not re- I mean, yeah, I do. See, I want, to, I, I, I want to be sure my faith is like that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what I mean? 
And, and they're, they're facing this fiery furnace, not because they did anything wrong, but because they were trying to walk with God. And then they walk up toward the king, and the king's like really mad and angry because they won't bow down to the rest of the stuff everybody's bowing down to. And they look at him and say, you know what, God? You know what, king? It could be that God will save us. And they could have went, and since we didn't bow, we expect he's going to. We didn't eat that food you dished out. So we expect he's going to. Daniel is our best buddy. We know he's in with you, so we expect you're going to. They didn't do that, right? They said, it may, could be that God will save us out of this. But he may not. And even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. We will, we will be delivered by the fire, not from the fire. or We will be delivered by it. So, that's the real test of faith, right? It's not what you're standing when things are awesome. It's where you stand when things are not so awesome. It's where you stand when you have a reason to turn around and walk away from Jesus. And instead of turning around and walking away, you keep walking forward. The real test of your faith isn't that God does everything you ask him to do. The real test of your faith is where you are when he doesn't answer the way you expect him to. When you, when you don't know what's going to happen next, and you, you, you have this, assure, this calm assurance, this peace that passes understanding that says, you know what, everything's not all right, but I'm going to be because he's with me. Listen to the words. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Some of that loud, noisy discombobulation you're hearing if you can hear, get through the static and the interference, you will hear the voice of Jesus going, come close. Come near. Get near me. Come, come close. My heart. He didn't say I heard with my ears. He didn't say I heard through some, you know, tweet or, you know, some text message or something. He said, I, my heart heard you. Say, come near. Come, come and talk with me. You know why I think God allows some things to happen? It's because we won't talk to him otherwise. Not about things that really matter anyway. We might talk to him about, you know, giving us a good commute to work in the morning. And we might even say, God bless my food as I, as I headache pray at McDonald's at lunchtime. To make sure nobody else pays attention. Y'all have never done that, have you? Huh? You're at lunch, sitting there eating. Everybody's around. The restaurant's full. And you know you should be at, giving thanks for the food God provided to you. And you go. Right? Am I the only one? Huh? Can't be. Right? But those are the only times we talk to him. And our Father's heart... Our Father's heart is for us to engage in relationship together, in conversation, in deep, intimate conveyings of what's going on that are both awesome and awful. The things that make us dream big and the things that take all the wind out of ourselves. His heart is for us to, to, to know Him and for Him to, 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 be, and for, to be known by, for us to know Him, right? And for Him to be known by us. 
And you can't understand the gravity of how great your God is until you've had something that, that is equally, well, I mean, not equally, but it has a gravitational pull on your heart trying to pull you down into the dumps. And, and, and I think we, we, we don't hear, we, we have to go through things sometimes for him to go, yeah, I'm here. Come talk to me about this. And, and David says, and my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. He says, don't turn your back on me. Don't reject your servant in anger. I know I haven't gotten this all right. He says, listen to these awesome words. You have always, you have always been my helper. Not one day, not one time, not ever have you ever not been there. I have left you sometimes. Paul would write to Timothy at one time in 1 Timothy. He would say, when we are faithless, he remains faithful. You have always been my helper. Every moment of every day, every bad time, the things I've tried to really mess up about my life and made a catastrophe of my own life, you stepped in and you helped me. Let alone when the times other things I couldn't control came in and busted my butt, you still were there to help me. And he's, he's... Reminding him, don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Verse 10, even if my father and mother abandon me. The Lord will hold me close. That's good for somebody in here today. When the closest people in your world have let you down. The Lord will hold you close. David's taking whatever turmoil has caused this to come up out of the inside of him to work towards him coming close to God because the next lines are this. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. For my enemies are waiting for me. See, sometimes I give them the traps to ensnare me in. Romans 8.28, Paul would write that we know. He says, I know. I know that God uses everything for the good of those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. He's not propagating some theological uh, philosophy that, 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 that's theoretical. This guy has walked this out. He says, and I know, no doubt about it, my God, my God will use everything in your life for your good because you love Him. He does not say everything in life is good, but he does say, listen, I will take it and I will use it. The good and the bad and the ugly. And if you think the good is so that you will have more money in your bank account or that you'll be more known around the world or that you would, you know, get the house you want or the car you want or the that's not what he says. He goes on to say this for those God foreknew. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so the the issue with all the things being good are because they make us look more like Jesus. We stop short at Romans 8.28. We don't go on to 8.29, 8.30, 8.31 where it talks about that. That's how it works for our good. You get what I'm saying? 
Because if you're still thinking in terms of, of natural, physical kinds of things, you've missed the whole point of all of it. God tells us that we should not fix our, our eyes on things that are temporal. We should fix our eyes on things that are eternal. Because the things that are temporal, they are temporary. They are subject to change. But the things that are eternal, they are unseen. And we have to focus, fix our eyes on that. Teach me how to live. Leave me alone on the right path. My enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. You know Satan, the name Satan in Scripture? We were talking about this the other day. We were, we were, we were playing Scrabble. You know, I'm going to say something really bad. Did, did you know the word Satan and the word Santa have the same letters in it? Both of them probably work to get your focus off of Jesus. I'm just going to say that. So one of them you spell with a capital S, one you spell with a lowercase s. It's true. In the scripture, wherever the word Satan shows up, it's a lowercase s. Did you ever pay attention to that? There's little things you get past, get past you. Huh? And his name is accuser. See, his plan is to bring you into something and accuse you. You see, God never cared about you anyway. You see, you could not help but make that mistake. You are a scrub. Why would God want anything to do with you anyway? Why is he going to listen to your prayers? What's that going to be? I mean, you're an awful husband. You're an awful wife. Man, there, nobody's been the worst, more, more of a worse parent than you've been. Man, you can't even be a good friend. Man, you're the awfulest worker there was. And, blah, 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 and he just keeps chattering, 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 chattering. And we feel condemned. We, feel not, we don't feel convicted. We feel criticized. And we feel like there's nothing worth it anymore. And God's all the time going, I am still here. With every breath, they threaten me with violence, he says. Every time I breathe, I can hear it. But look at verse 13. Yet I am confident. I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here. In the land of the living. I mean, all of us are holding out for heaven. I get that, right? I mean, I am. I mean, right now today, heaven sounds really good to me, honestly. Like, right now, I could, like, let's just go. Let's just go now. What are we waiting on? Let's just go. But David says, I know, I am confident. I will see the goodness of the Lord while I walk on this side of death. That God's going to show himself strong on my behalf. Not because I'm that good, because he is that good. And he is faithful, and he is merciful, and he is gracious, and he is kind, and he is compassionate, and he is loving, and he's all that. I bank on the fact that he's going to show himself to be strong on this side of the grave. Al, you are messing with me today, man. Huh? Al is laughing and just enjoying that. I'm going to stand right, I'm just going to talk right to Al. I'll just sit here and just talk right to him. Huh? Listen, God expects us to be excited about what he is doing, even when we can't see it. I love you, Al. 
And he wants us to respond to himself just like Al's responding right now. He wants us to just be joyful that his name is being uttered in the vicinity of where we are. He wants us to be joyful that his, his goodness is being declared wherever we are, wherever we're going, whatever, whatever's going on with us. He wants us to, to expect that he's going to show himself strong. And sometimes he uses weakness to show it, not strength. Sometimes when we're at our worst, it's when he's like, I got you. Just keep walking. This is a day I'd have rather stayed in my bed and kept my pillow over my head. Let the truth be told. And I just wasn't going to let it happen. My, my, my son, Eric, for the last couple of years, I've been, I've been the, the transport guy for school. And I let my kids put a, like, a, like a playlist together so they can pick what they want to listen to going to them from school. And there's this Christian rap dude named KB. And there's this song on there. He says, not today, say, not today. And I could hear those words. Driving up to the church today, I heard those words. Like, I just don't want to preach. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do. And I could hear, not today, not today. You, don't, you, you, you have not earned the right to win today. You are not winning today. Today is the day that Jesus gets to be king and gets to be Lord. Today is the day he gets to win over you. Today is the day that you get to find out what a scrub you are because what you, you pull out the worst on us, we're going to keep going. We're not holding back. We're not jumping back. We're not getting the back of the line. We are moving forward. Because today, I remain confident of this thing, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That God's going to take the worst things, just like he did with Joseph, and somehow he's going to take, you know the story of Joseph? I got some time today. I'm a little bit ahead of schedule, believe it or not. Got almost through a whole chapter of scripture. I'm ahead of schedule. Some of y'all can't, see miracles still happen, and God shows his strength in your weakness, Right? Huh? See, right now, if this is a normal Sunday, I'm barely to my first point. I got through a whole chapter. Huh? Where was I? Joseph. Joseph, he is, he, he is God shows him some pretty amazing things about what the fu- his future is going to look like in the book of Genesis. Not Joseph. Some of you are like, you're like, everybody, you know, it's... Hey, church people, I've been talking. Come back next week. Maybe I'll get to finish what I started last week about sidelines. I probably won't finish, but we'll, we'll, go, we'll go a little further down the road. You know, we've we got to we stop taking for granted people know things. We are in a postmodern, post-Christian culture. We cannot take for granted that people understand the stories from the Scripture or what God expects of them or how good God will be to them or how God loves them because they just don't know. So some of you may not realize the story of Joseph in the Bible. There is a Joseph in the New Testament. He's the stepdad of Jesus. Okay? We're talking about the Joseph from the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. He, he, was, he was one of the sons of Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel were named after 12 sons of this guy named Jacob whose name was turned to Israel. So I'm just giving you a real quick theology lesson, okay? 
Jacob get, or Joseph gets some dreams that God's going to utilize his life in really amazing ways. And he starts to talk about it and he makes his brothers mad. He makes them so mad, in fact, that guess what? They determine they're going to do away with this old boy. One of his brothers is just like content, let's just kill him. Let's kill him now and get this over with. And one, one of the brothers who's a little more sane says, let's not kill him. Let's like sell him into slavery and then tell dad he died. Let's not go that far. And so they do that. They throw him in a pit. They take the coat that his dad gave him, shredded it, put some blood of some, some, some animal on it. And, and some slave traders came by. They sold him into slavery and they go walk back to dad and they go, hey, dad, sorry, Joseph's gone. And you think your family's dysfunctional. This is the line Jesus, or God uses to bring Jesus to save the world. So if you think God can't use your craziness, think again. Finally, Joseph ends up, not only does he get sold in slavery, he ends up in prison because he's falsely accused of something. Something goes crazy. He, he interprets some dreams from some guys while he's in prison. They get out. And he says, just remember I'm here when the king comes talking to you. And they forget. And then a little bit later, he gets to interpret a dream of a king. Because one of those guys remembers. And he, he, he gets to get out. And not only does he get out of prison, he becomes, he becomes second in command in the, in the nation of Egypt. He's like the vice president. And something's about to come bad. And a famous brother break out. And he, God gives him wisdom to fix that problem. And then his own brothers come back because they need help because they're stuck in the famine too. And they heard that Egypt had resources. And unbeknownst to his brothers, they're standing in front of him. Been a long time. Didn't know you had that beard back then. Didn't have a beard last time we saw you. Didn't see all that fancy headdress. Didn't know it. And he, 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 and, and he looks at them. Through some course of events, it's a lot, lot longer of a story than this. But he looks at them and he goes, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And he displays grace and forgiveness to those boys who sold him into slavery. And now we have the person of Christ that we get to call upon because Joseph chose not to get bitter, but to become more like Jesus before Jesus was ever born. And to show grace and forgiveness. And so here's what I'm telling you right now. What Satan means for bad for you probably is an indication that God's up to something good. I could, you can be confident that things will go the way God intends for them to go, even when they don't go the way you want them to go. And you can be confident that God will have the last laugh. He will show himself strong. And here's where we get lost. Verse 14 says this. Wait patiently for the Lord. Some of us won't let the process work out. Some of us won't let God do what he's doing. Can I say something to you? It took God roughly in the neighborhood of like 4,000 years to set the stage for Jesus to come. Give him more than 40 minutes to fix some. Okay? Give him, give him, give him more than four weeks to fix some. You might need to give him more than four years. But if you let him fix it, it'll be fixed. Wait patiently for him. 
Don't try and fix it yourself. Don't try and get in the way. Don't try and make something happen because that's the way you want things to be done. Let God work out the process. Let God finish what we just sang a song up here a minute ago. Something about God finishing what he's, he's got who finishes what he starts. If we, believe, if we believe he is a promise maker, a promise keeper, then we must believe that he's quite capable of coming through and he will do it when it's best and how it's best. And if we're going to wait patiently, that's why David offers us these next pieces of encouragement. Be strong and courageous. chance a couple weeks ago to, to preach at Grace Fellowship. A couple of our people are there right now making ministry happen. Steve's playing drums and Stan's playing keyboards this morning at Grace. And I encourage them to stay on it. That it would take courage to keep moving forward. How many guys know, how many of y'all still know who John Wayne is? Anybody know John Wayne out there? There was this fella I used to call on. He was fighting cancer. His name was Bill Perdue. And I would go visit him. And his, he'd be sitting in his basement, sitting in front of the TV, <laughs> watching Fox News all day long. Above, above his head was this plaque. Ashley knows. Ashley, Ashley rolled, huh? Above it was this plaque. That said, it had a picture of John Wayne on it. And it said, courage is being scared to death but silent up anyway. I think we think courage is that we just do it. We just seem like everything's all together and we got it and everything's great and everything's fluid. But no, courage happens when things aren't all great. And courage happens when things are going crazy. And courage happens when, when, when we're scared from the inside out that we want to tremble like David talked about early in this psalm. And he, he's like, we're going to keep going with Jesus anyhow. Be strong and very courageous. You know how you be strong? You count on the joy of the Lord, not your abilities. You know how you, you be strong? You know how you be courageous and at peace even when things are crazy? You count on the wisdom of the Lord and the peace that passes all understanding, not your ability to figure things out. You, 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 know, you know how you stay strong and courageous? You just do what you know God said to do, even though it doesn't make sense to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were some people in, jo in Joseph's life who were like, dude, you're going to forgive those jamokes? Are you kidding? Really? What they did to you, you think that, aren't they just going to use you all over again? Aren't they just going to? And, and he could hear the voice of God saying, come near to me and I will take care of this. Be strong and courageous. Then he reminds us. This is the last, this is the last line of Psalm 27. Yes, an affirmative. I can see David shaking his head at all of us. Yes, yes. This is, this is the answer. There is no other answer. There's, there's no other option. There's no other way to actually understand the glory and the grace of God, to see his goodness show up in your life. There's no other way. Yes, he's shaking his head. Wait patiently for the Lord. This morning, if you're in, you, you, if you're in a place this morning where you just need for God to be real, most likely the situation, the circumstance you're in right now, that would most be like the enemy shouting that God's nowhere around is the spot where God's going to 
show himself to be the strongest. When everything else lines up against him, he's kind of the guy who comes through. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard, it's hard to see him. It's hard to know him deeply when things are all good. It's true. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why don't you stand up with me? I said, stand up with me, and I stayed seated. And none of y'all caught it. Huh? Bad leadership is expecting people to do something you're not willing to do yourself. You know what I mean? If you're here this morning, and number one, you don't know Jesus, can I say something to you? He does love you. And he hasn't counted you out. And he knows all your weakness. And he knows all your fear. And he knows all your sin. And he knows all your stuff. And he still says, come near to me. We talked about David. He said, I heard, I heard you say to my heart, come near. And I said, here, my Lord, I'm coming. And David was the guy who was adulterous. He was murderous. He was a horrible father. Go read it. I mean, he, his family was pretty messed up. And so if God could come near to David, he will come near to you, is my point. And the blood of Jesus that cleanses from sin is available to every one of us. The Bible says if we confess that he is Lord, he hears us and he responds to our prayers. And all that call upon him, Lord, they shall be saved. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just forgive us of our sin and cleanse of all unrighteousness. So if you're here this morning and you're like, all this happened because I'm a jamoke and I'm stupid and I'm dumb. Yep, join the club. That still doesn't mean God is against you. It means he's still working for you. He's going to take that awful, nasty mess you made of your life and use it to show how faithful and strong and good he is and always saying, just come near to me. For those who are already in faith, understand this. You may or may not have created the mess that you're in right now, but none of that changes the person of God and who he is. And he will allow you to walk through things sometimes so you will realize how faithful and true that he is. When everything else is shaking and falling apart, he's like, I'm still here. I'm going no place. I got you. And what you can't afford to do is to ditch him on the process. Can't afford to step out when the going gets tough. You got to keep running towards him. Draw near to him. If you're here this morning and you're going through something, David's words to you are this. Be patient. Wait patiently for the Lord and be confident. You will see the hand of God at work in the land of the living. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.